Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and pop culture collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zandbergen. Welcome to our show of Dream Chasers and Wealth Makers. We are thrilled to be back in the studio today with the new episode of the Zanbergen Report. I'm proud to bring in the movers, shakers, and difference makers who are passionate about what they have learned and what you need to know today. And today, how pleased am I to have not just one, not just two, but three attorneys from the uh, wonderful law firm Revolve Law Group. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank of you. course, of course. Um, let's let's go around the room and introduce ourselves. Kimberly, you want to go first? Yes. My name is Kimberly Wright. I am one of the founding partners of Revolve Law Group, and I predominantly am in charge of the appeals and writs division at Revolve. Okay. Jessica? I am Jessica Monroe. I am a tax attorney and CPA and one of the other founding members, and I primarily handle all of the tax controversy and transactional work. And there's controversy with tax? Just a little. <laughs> and Sarah? I am Sarah Nahidi, and I am a partner at Revolve, and my specialty is real estate litigation and transactions. Um, I'm a real estate broker as well and own an escrow company, so I handle things, all things real estate. Great. So one of my f uh, favorite things or what, what I was very impressed with is your tagline, our world revolves around you. Very good. Very catchy. Thank you. Tell uh, us about that. How did that come about? How'd you come up with the name? How'd y'all come together? Yeah. There's got to be a story here. There, there actually is a story. So Jessica and I went to the same law school and we were both studying abroad in Cambridge and she happened to be roomed next door to me. Um, so that's how we got to know each other, which I believe it now is 17 years ago. Yeah. And Jessica was at living in Los Angeles, but I had moved to Orange County. And I always told her, when you decide to leave L.A. County and move to Orange County, let's start a law firm. And so she called me up in mm -hmm. 2016. 16. And she said, you're never going to believe this, but I'm moving to Orange County. And mm -hmm. I said, great. When are we starting the firm? Seriously? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Wow. And she really had no choice. I kind of just pulled her by her hair and forced <laughs> her to do it. Um, and, you know, the name was really important to me. And I didn't want the like Monroe Wright or Wright Monroe. And yeah. that really always felt archaic to me in the practice of law and incredibly egotistical, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to come up with other words, you know, that could represent what we stood for. And I'll never forget it because I was standing in the bathroom putting on mascara <laughs> and I was talking to Jessica on the phone and I said to her, you know, what's the message we want to send to the client? And I answered myself and I said, well, it's we need the client to know that our world revolves around them. Yep. And right then and wow. there, I went, oh, the my gosh, yeah. Revolve Law Group. Yeah. And so, you know, our world revolves around you became, you know, our number one guiding principle of who we are as attorneys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. By the way, Danielle, mental note uh, for me to change the name of my firm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a lawyer, so right. you don't practice law in, in, in an ego state, which unfortunately is predominantly what we see lawyers do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm just it's different just trying to get a laugh yeah I'm like feeling bad I said that now <laughs> Sorry. and I was going for that too so okay. yeah well the guilt is real you got, you got me okay and then somewhere along the line Sarah came in so yeah so 
Kimberly and I had gotten to know each other really well through our networking group, and we were asked to lead a discussion panel of interesting and controversial topics that are happening in the present day world. And so through that process, I got to know Kimberly extremely well and found out that we are far more similar than we are dissimilar um, and just very similar mindset. And so I told her that, you know, I've been solo. I've been on my own for eight years. I'm I'm looking to partner with somebody and I, I miss the camaraderie and, you know, strategizing and having multiple sets of eyes on a case to understand, you know, how would another attorney approach this? So before, you know, the whole world shut down, before COVID, we had a conversation about it and uh, we both were interested in exploring that. And then, um, you know, post-COVID, some opportunities presented themselves and we decided it was the right time. Um, I was asked to be a group leader in our networking organization, Provisors, and I thought with the visibility that that would bring, it would it would be the perfect time to to join Revolve and make it official. So we did that this summer, and it's been um, it's been pretty incredible so far. Something that's incredibly important, I think, for me in having met Sarah is that what we decided to do in leading this group, especially in attacking really controversial topics and bringing them you know, making people uncomfortable. It took a lot of support from each other in order to do that. And seeing how Sarah showed up in that process and under the stress and the time constraints, I just thought to myself, she's definitely somebody I'd want to co-run a business with. And fortunately, she agreed. And here we are. Yeah, I think our all of our values are similar and we are all rooted in a t- integrity. Yeah, doing the right thing um, for the client at all times and being very responsive and putting the client first, which unfortunately, a lot of attorneys don't subscribe to that mindset. Yeah. Well, that's a great that's a great foundation for really any firm, mm-hmm. especially a law firm. But it's even more difficult because when you have the tagline, our world revolves around you, it's yeah. a huge burden to carry. Yeah. And it's not a situation, and I and we talk about this a lot, the three of us, where you can phone it in. You know, you have to bring your A game. I never want to see a client post on social media or, you know, a Yelp review or make any statement anywhere, even if it's just to, you know, somebody they know that we're bullshit. Yeah. We have to show up every single day with a high level of presence and responsibility and responsiveness because we're promoting that, you know, to the public. Right, right. It's in your name. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, from what you said and what I have checked out in my due diligence, the taxation, civil litigation, and I know you said appeals and writs. What's a writ? <laughs> So I can't be the only one in question. this audience that doesn't know. <laughs> you are not. Um, it's actually a quite simple answer. So when you have a final judgment on the merits, think a trial has concluded. Okay. And the judge issues a ruling, which is his judgment, yeah. that you appeal. But when you have an issue that has been determined that is not going to dispose of the case entirely, that's where you issue a writ. A writ of mandate asking the superior or not the superior court, the court of appeal yeah. to make, you know, come to a conclusion on a, an issue. So think like 
discovery. If there's a dispute in discovery and the judge said, you can't do this, yeah. you wouldn't file an appeal. You'd file a writ getting uh, the court of appeal to tell the judge they're wrong. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, actually, I wanna, I'm going to plant a seed now because um, legal dramas and suspense mm-hmm. are like my jam. Mm-hmm. So you're going to come in, you're going to tell me a story. You know, make up the names, but I need a really good story of one of your cases. Okay, so start thinking. Okay. All right. Um, tell me about your asset protection. Are you talking about estate planning or uh, otherwise? So one of our specialties is when you have somebody who has a high dollar valued asset mm-hmm. that they're selling and they're looking to um, mitigate those taxes, plan appropriately. And along the same lines, we approach things in a holistic way so that what else is in their estate? What else do they own? How can we make sure that they're protected across the board mm-hmm. and not exposed? Um, so, yeah. So from t- so from a taxes taxes not, not a liability protection. Well, there wouldn't be a but I guess a liability with an asset sale, maybe. Well, so entity formation could be part of that. But uh, we when we see a need that a client has that one of the three of us don't necessarily mm-hmm. handle ourselves, we have partners that we work with that we refer to to make sure that the client's needs are served in every possible way. Yeah. So like real world example, if Jessica gets a client who just has a tax issue, right? They're fighting the IRS for whatever it is. We get really involved with our clients. So our conversations will exceed the the bounds of the issue we're working on. And so if that client, you know, she comes to find out that this client has multiple, you know, real estate assets mm-hmm. or um, businesses or things like that where that could be attached, whether, you know, it's by the IRS or in a judgment, we she will essentially call the two of us and say, what can we do to make sure that this person is protected? It might be um, using something as simple as creating an estate plan, Mm -hmm. or it might be something more advanced like the um, private retirement plan. Mm -hmm. And so we bring all these partners in to holistically look at the like bird's eye view of what the client has and and exceeds really what the issue we're really working on. Sure. So again, you go back to holistic. Yes. Right. That's great. So, I mean, I don't think there's any conversation in business that we can not talk about how has things changed, you know, through the COVID. And in my opinion, there's pre-COVID and then Mm -hmm. there's now. And I think my opinion now is going to be for the rest of our lives. We're going to have adjustments and lifestyle that's going to be like that. So what has changed for you all? So I think that COVID brought to light some of the gaps in our profession. Um, For example, the legal industry is very averse to technology and embracing change. And I think it's an absolute blessing that technology has been embraced in the legal field. I love that I can appear on court uh, via Zoom, via telephone. You know, I, I couple weeks ago did a trial entirely in my pajamas from my bed Um, you know I mean nothing nothing is gonna be down just the waist down (laughs) yeah so I mean I think that the legal field was way overdue for embracing technology and I think it's a blessing that our profession is finally seeing the benefits of flexibility and allowing people to either work from home or work at the office or a hybrid model. I think that flexibility is something that has brought, you know, 
been brought to the table in a significant way that that helps everybody perform at the at their best level. You think? Um, excuse me. Do you think that flexibility will continue to be implemented even yes. when we've seen get closer to normal? We've seen big firms embrace this remote work work life balance for their their employees, and so many firms are either doing a hybrid where they're allowing people to come in or work from home. Um, and I think that our world is forever changed post COVID. And I think it's a good thing that employers are realizing that employees need flexibility. Well, not only just for the, like the law firm itself, but for the clients, yeah. the amount of cost savings to the client is, it's really dramatic. Yeah. No longer are you paying your attorney, you know, anywhere from three, four, five hundred dollars an hour up to travel to court, sit and wait, be inefficient. And you know, one thing that is really hard for clients to swallow is, well, why am I paying you to travel to the court? Well, if I'm not at my desk working on another matter, I've got to be billing on the case that I'm working on, which includes travel time. Well, travel time is is now eradicated. Mm -hmm. And so I encourage clients, and I have actually encouraged clients for the last decade to allow for telephonic appearances. So for the courts to now have, it's called blue jeans, where you appear by video, Court call, court mm-hmm. call, Zoom, WebEx, yeah, Microsoft right. Teams. You know, every court now has one of those options available, if not several. And it can save clients thousands of dollars a month because I can sit at my desk, be appearing, not be charging the client while I'm working on another matter while I'm waiting. It's the efficiency is incredible, mm-hmm. but it, it truly does result in a major cost savings to yeah. clients, which I think is really interesting on how. I think that clients should start asking their attorneys, well, how do you handle that? You know, because attorneys, when we created Revolve, I didn't want the billable hour, like focus on the billable hour. You have to get this done. I want your heart to be in it and to do the work that you're passionate about. But other law firms have billable hour requirements. So I'm curious, you know, all of that money that's generated by going to court, how is that going to make up, be made up for on the client's files. So I think that clients should be really having That's conversations about how they, they're built. I was wondering if, is it eliminating or uh, any bottleneck in, in the court systems and trials? Is it allowed for a, like a bigger pathway um, that people don't have to be in court? Or are you finding the same, there's still a backlog to get cases heard? I think that the issue of COVID and going to remote dispute resolution has definitely forced attorneys to start considering these alternative means of dispute resolution because they know the backlog in court. My my case is not going to be set for trial maybe a year and a half longer than it would have been otherwise. And so it is forcing arbitration and mediation to get disputes resolved faster. And we can get on Zoom mediation and arbitration really fast. You know, some of being a lawyer, I think, is, you know, unethical attorneys who are doing money grabs. Lawyers can make a lot of money by these other things than practicing law. Mm -hmm. And I think that with the efficiency of um, remote opportunities, you're cutting down on that. I mean, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think initially the courts were closed altogether. And that definitely created a backlog. Yeah. 
Like, for example, if I were to file a new lawsuit today, I would not get a trial date for two years. So we're still experiencing the backlog from the closure. Absolutely. Which was about a year, wasn't it, where courts closed roughly a year-ish? A year and a half ago. Yeah. It, it's, they started to close um, uh, a little over a year ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did create a really big backlog. But again, as Kimberly said, there were so many opportunities now to for people to appear virtually and alternative means, you know, mediation, arbitration, um, dispute resolution online offered through courts. So I feel like the pool and accessibility became larger, but also the backlog became a little bit longer than usual. Okay. So longer, I would have, I would have thought the opposite. And I thought with the ability and the availability of, um, not having to travel, you have more time. So with more time, we can get more cases. But the backlog still, I guess, resides yeah, at the you, court Yeah, we level, still right? rely on the clerks to file yeah. documents. Yeah. And they, they're still filing documents and trying to pick up from when they had the closures. Okay. But a lot of clerks and employees of the court did leave. Um, so there's not enough bodies and not a, enough people working to process, you know, new cases and a lot of judges have retired um, because of COVID, you know, it, it forced some people into an early retirement. Well, and I think it was something that we as attorneys need to focus on is that should be an impediment to us. So when we get cases or when I get a case, because I still do litigation, Sarah and I have a lot of crossover in the litigation and we'll handle litigation together. Um, but I've always been a proponent of we do not need to fight. I have been practicing for over a decade. I've done one trial because my devotion to dispute resolution and not litigation is my guiding focus. Why are we in court? I I need to take a step back and look at my client's case and say, what's in the best interest of all parties? Not even just my client, but what is, again, the holistic approach to getting this resolved? And unfortunately, I think that lawyers have been socialized to just Fight. But COVID and this closure and the being dissuaded from filing a lawsuit in order to get to a trial should, I mean, I, I don't know if it's happening, but it should make us lawyers take a second look at how we do our jobs to say, what am I doing and why? Yeah. Trial shouldn't matter because we should not be litigating every single case. Right. Yeah. Litigation is a very inefficient way of dealing with a problem. And expensive. It's very expensive for everyone involved and especially the client. So I'm a huge proponent of dispute resolution as well. And I've only done one trial also in my 10 plus year career because I'm a huge fan of let's work this out. Let, yeah. Let's settle this without the need to go to a trial and engage in extensive discovery and depositions. and Which is why I think that individuals or corporations, entities, what have you, hiring an attorney, you should get to know who your attorney is. And that was one of the reasons why when we decided to get a website for Revolve, what you don't see on our website is, you know, a a long bio, all these accolades. I was looking for your long bios. (laughs) Yeah. All of our awards, all our recognition. Are you a super lawyer? Like all of that. (laughs) I mean, I don't mean to, you know, disrespect attorneys who put value in that, but 
I always, you know, originally when Jessica and I got together and, and started brainstorming what Revolve was, I said, every, <laughs> we all went to law school. We arguably all have access to the research database. We've learned how to you know, do our jobs, but that doesn't tell you who we are. I want to put who we are at the forefront of Revolve. And that's why you see, you know, the principles and values, civility, yeah. determination, curiosety, laughter, humor, I think we say. Right, right. Um, we need to, so not, and I say we, because I would do this if I was hiring an attorney, but get to know who that person is on a principles and values basis, because that's going to tell you how they run your case. Mm-hmm. That's going to tell you if they are focused on the billable hour, you know, it, how they're going to resolve it, how long it's going to take to resolve. You know, all of that is is so important. But I feel like people are choosing their lawyers based on this fabricated, you know, bio. I don't it's show me who you are. Yeah. Interesting. So that kind of kind of rolls into this. So your name, the your approach, your holistic approach that we've talked about. So what do you view as the kind of the next level of in-demand services that either you will be providing or that law firms should be looking at. Yeah, so it goes hand in hand with that holistic approach where we look to anticipate a client's needs, um, you know, in all aspects. And so if, you know, it's a real estate transaction that they need help with, and then later there's tax implications around that or something else down the road. Um, And it's really getting to know what their goals are and there's an emotional component to that as well, too, right? I mean, selling a business or being under audit by IRS, these are all <laughs> big emotional. Being a know. defendant in a lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. Stressful that's situations. That's stressful, really, at all. <laughs> Just a little bit. I don't recommend it for anybody. Yeah. No, not, not ideal. But so we seek to come in, look at what all those needs are, and really understand and empathize and, and see what that client's you know, looking for what their goals are so that we can provide the best possible solution. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So what are some of the most tried misconceptions of lawyers and law firms? And then how do you guys either fit in or do not fit in? <laughs> Don't answer all of us. I was like, <laughs> like she's, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's the unapproachable, you know, walled fighter. My biggest pet peeve is when I hear somebody say, oh, you're a lawyer because you probably like to fight or you're really good at fighting. That irritates the shit out of me (laughs) because it tells me that lawyers are being socialized to fight. And we, the three of us, are focused on resolving the issue. It might come down to determination. We're going to dig into the details as our website says, but we're not trying to fight. When I'm in a fight with opposing counsel, I'm actually trying to get that person to be reasonable. I don't wanna have to go to court and ask for a reasonable extension. I, I want everybody to think, again, holistically, and what's the bigger picture here that that's going to work for all of us. So for me, it's the idea of the fight. Now, you piss me off and you act unethically, I will tear you down Mm -hmm. because I'm a principled person who believes in the rules of professional conduct and the ethical, you know, oath that we all took as attorneys. But I I don't like, I don't like to fight. 
that would be mine. Mm-hmm. What about yours? Um, yeah, I would say because I grew up with that too. Like, oh, you, you love to argue. You're going to be a great attorney one day. <laughs> and and I look at it as well. No, I'm not arguing. I'm trying to analyze the issue. You're right? reasoning. Yeah. Yes, I'm yeah. reasoning. And I think that. Um, us as an all-women firm, I think we approach things a little bit differently. We, you mm-hmm. know, we look to understand, and um, and and so it's a little bit different from how a lot of other firms might approach it. And you know, um, <clears throat> I came up in the big four accounting world where it was, you know, a bunch of older guys in suits, and that's definitely not us. But yeah, right. yeah. yeah, we're not your father's law firm yeah. for sure. <laughs> all right, so. I was- I'm going to ask this, and we might have to edit it out. But would you would you hire a guy? Yeah, my paralegal is male. Yeah, okay. uh, we right. absolutely would hire. For us, you know, it's about accessing feminine energy, yeah. right? The balance of male and female energy. The practice of law has been dominated by masculine energy, which is the do, the fight, the you know, I'm I'm focused so hard on winning that I'm forgetting the humanity or, or the yeah. helping of people. So we're just injecting the feminine energy into the practice of law and having that be what guides us. That doesn't mean that if an extraordinary male comes to us and says, I agree with the principles and values that you you know, adhere to in your yeah. practice, all damn day. That'd be like an all-girl band, though, bringing in like a male drummer. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know if that works. I mean, we're not opposed to breaking up the band. Uh, yeah. We're not opposed to bringing in masculine energy because right. that's a good right. balance to yeah. our feminine energies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that women attorneys have a different approach because of the empathy mm-hmm. that we bring to every situation. Passion. The yeah. compassion, the empathy, putting yourself in the client's shoes and not just choosing to fight for the sake of fighting, but to be solution-oriented. Understand how did we get here? What is your goal? What are the different solutions that we can propose to you know, fix the situation? Right, and sometimes it's out of the box. I mean, I right. can't tell you how many times I have settled a case and I have backed away saying, I can't believe that just settled. And when somebody says, well, how did you get it settled? I said, it wasn't based on law. It was based on psychology. Yeah, absolutely. I I use psychology more in the practice of law than I do actual case law. Mm -hmm. Because I have to get to know what does my client need? What is opposing counsel battling with? I mean, there are times where I'm talking to opposing counsel about, you know, how you need to manage your client in order to get this resolved because you are not facilitating a, a resolution here. Right. Um, so. I, but, so just so you all know, I started, mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw me laughing when you were talking about mm-hmm. the feminine and the um, understanding. Energies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not all female attorneys because my ex-wife's female attorney was not very um uh, emotional or embracing. <laughs> so I have a theory on that because I, I I remember being a very brand new attorney in a continuing legal education class. So, so I'm surrounded by attorneys yeah. and I'm looking around and I was, you know, dressed you know, pink blouse. I had, you know, just very feminine. Yeah. And I'm looking around at all these, you know, seasoned attorneys, females, and no makeup, hair pulled back, gray suit. And I thought, oh my gosh, is this what my future is? Am I going to <laughs> assimilate to yeah. like being an android and losing all femininity? Because what happens is, who are we mostly competing against? It's men. Yeah. 
I've had two, maybe three opposing counsels that are women in over a decade. So what happens is we absorb that energy and we start acting in the masculine way. And I think that that's what ha- we just oh, get for socialized. Sure this one and, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. Now's the time. I need a good, juicy case. Oh my I don't care which field, just juicy. Just I mean, one. I oh, had, no, I'll take two. I had a client Three. whose story ended up on Dateline. Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one already. Yes, one of my favorite shows. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I represent. Uh, this was five, six years ago. Um, a young, sweet girl had come come to my office and needed help to unwind a condominium that her and her ex-fiance had purchased together. So, you know, this happens frequently. I I see it a lot in Orange County and Southern California. People who are not married, they buy a house together and then they break up and they have nothing in writing and they don't anticipate ever breaking up and then they hire me to unwind the whole process. So somehow that case turned into my client getting arrested, um, wrongfully being imprisoned in Orange County Women's Prison, and then, you know, being exonerated by the district attorney and then telling her story on national news across the country on on different national networks. So what was the story? Yeah, what was the story? He was hanging. What you put in jail for? So her ex-fiance worked in the legal system as a U.S. Marshal. And he was very connected and dialed in to law enforcement, judges, courts. And he had friends in the Anaheim Police Department who he was able to convince that my client was violating a restraining order, um, which he wrongfully brought against her and I represented her in that and we we came to an agreement that she would not contact him and stay away from him and she did not contact him and she did not go near him but he had created fake email accounts impersonating my client and he was putting ads on Craigslist asking for (gasps) people to show up who wanted to participate in a rape fantasy at the condominium that my client and her ex-fiance owned together. Um, And somehow the ex-fiance was able to convince the people, the police officers at Anaheim Police Department that my client was violating the restraining order by asking people to show up to the condo and and so on and so forth. And um, she was arrested and she was wrongfully imprisoned for months. And I, at that point, knew with 100% certainty that she was not behind these emails, that she was not contacting him, that she was not threatening him, she was not posting these ads, but I couldn't prove it. And it became a criminal matter at that point, and I had to pass it off to a criminal defense attorney. Um, But months later, she was exonerated um, by the Orange County District Attorney at that time, Rakakis, and she was unbelievably traumatized. I would be. Rightfully PTSD, so. Right? Major PTSD was absolutely, you know, her whole world had turned upside down. So she moved to New York and started her life entirely over. Um, she hired a victim's rights attorney who is a superstar in Brooklyn. And she sued the Anaheim Police Department and got a very fair 
yeah. settlement. How about the ex-fiance? Right. You know, say that he, he was recently just indicted. Oh, wow. For what would, like, false accusations? Or fraud For, like, or... cyber crimes, oh. you know, impersonation. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally, his um, ex-girlfriend took the fall for the whole situation. But I knew <sighs> in my heart of hearts that it was him who was writing the emails and creating the fake email accounts and making the threats. But I couldn't prove it. Um and so his ex-girlfriend took the fall and went to prison for a couple years. But just recently, oh. this year, in 2021, he was indicted. Wow. And this story became a national sensation. I had you know, media people calling me, contacting me, asking me for comments. And I, I didn't talk to any media because it, didn't, it wasn't appropriate at that time. Um, but it ended up on Dateline. And I'm a huge Dateline fan. <laughs> yeah, Every Friday that's, night, that's, that's my, gonna go that's my activity. Yeah. So I was watching Dateline one night and, and her story. Dateline. Yeah, <laughs> and her like story came up yeah. on, on Dateline yeah. and I saw the settlement agreement that oh. I had prepared, oh you know, God. and that she'd enter into. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's my settlement agreement. <laughs> <That's so great. laughs> Good for you. But yeah, yeah, that was the craziest story I've ever been a part of. And it that's was absolutely crazy. shocking um, and a prime example of yeah. how corruption in our legal system is more rampant than we can imagine. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, Ooh. we really can't top that Ladies, story. Ladies, I mean, you got, that's I, a no. very high bar. Well, I feel like you should, <laughs> you got my something. favorite story that you tell about the client who had the huge IRS. Bond. Oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. I, my favorite. IRS. Yeah. So I, one of my um, small business clients, uh, you know, under audit with IRS, and, and they were extending it from three years to four, and he legitimately had a crazy auditor. And you hear these crazy IRS auditor stories. But this woman is starting to talk, just making accusations against the client's CPA, because the CPA was handling the audit at the time, and against my client, starting to talk criminal accusations and um, putting them down in really inappropriate ways. And it just it got out of hand. And they were trying to assess... They were adding on about seven or eight hundred thousand dollars of additional income, and there was no substantiation for anything. Um, so they brought me in. I'm talking to a different auditor who's trying to then lie about what the tax code says about what's deductible and what's not. And at first, I think she's kidding because some of this stuff is really basic. I'm like, wait, you're joking, right? Because we all know what the tax code there says. This is a deductible expense. But they tried to get away with it, so I filed a petition and for tax court. Um, and by the end of the audit, instead of owing anything extra, my client was owed an eight thousand dollar refund. So, and Bravo. how? So Bravo. it went from eight hundred thousand dollars of additional income receiving eight thousand yeah. dollars from the IRS. That's what I love about Jessica. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I've Great always job. said the smartest thing I ever did was going into business with a tax attorney. <laughs> <laughs> well, we clearly, all need tax help. Yeah, clearly the balance of what you all do, you're, um, I think you're pretty well protected for the rest of your lives. <laughs> okay, we've um, gone over it, but that's quite all right. This has been very enjoyable. Um, but I do have a couple of things left I still have to do, mm-hmm. and that is to find out your ultimate lesson learned. That's our final thought question. Mm-hmm. So we can do each individually if you are okay with that. Personal or a professional? Don't matter. Ultimate lesson learned. How about we do one of each? Got it. Okay. Kimberly, do you want to go first? Uh, you go first. She's dying to go first. No, I, like, I'm, I'm like, I'm marinating in this. Uh, the professional one for me would be 
to always remember that your opposing attorney could one day become a judge or justice Mm -hmm. and you may appear in front of that individual one day who will be making the decisions. Don't burn bridges. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Always be kind to your opposing counsel. Um, Ultimate personal we say this a lot in the community that we um, spend a lot of time in, but we take what we do very seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. Always remember to laugh, like be silly. We're lawyers. We have to be serious constantly, but like just let go and be fun Mm -hmm. and just be pleasant. That would be my. Great. Good one. Jessica. So professionally, I would say, that um, when dealing with anybody, you know, it can be a client's bad day or an IRS agent who usually they start off in a, in a more of an attack mode, but you never know where they're coming from, what they're dealing with. They're Personal overwhelmed. They yeah, have. <laughs> exactly. I had one IRS agent who, I, um, honestly, medically, she shouldn't have been working that day, and she was just in attack mode. And by the end of it, you know, yeah. we realized, okay, no, we can come to a resolution here. But so, yeah, just considering where they're coming from and giving them grace. Yeah. Uh, and then personally, I would say um, everything happens for a reason, even if we don't know what it is in that moment. There's a purpose for it. And it's we one just, of my favorites, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so yeah. that's that's one of my guiding positions. Good one. Positions. Good one. And the other takeaway is kill them with kindness, right? Oh, that's yes. a great. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right, Sarah. Um, for a professional um, lesson learned, um, honesty an integrity or everything. Mm-hmm. Like Kimberly said, you never know when somebody you go against is going to come up in your future. Um, I don't believe in burning bridges. Um, and I think that integrity is everything. If there's no integrity, there's no trust, uh, if there's no honesty, there's no transparency, then I don't wanna I don't wanna be working with people or working um, with clients who don't have that basic honesty and level of integrity Yes, because I think that too often um, lawyers get a bad rap for being self-serving and I don't ever want to be um, looked upon in that way because I take what I do seriously. Like Kimberly said, I take what I do seriously, but I don't take myself seriously. But I, I, I can say with certainty that people who have been my clients, they know that I will put them first. And I will approach them with empathy, approach their situation, their problem with empathy. So I think being empathetic on a personal level is is huge. Great lessons. Simply don't lie. Mm -hmm. That's honestly what we see. Just don't lie. Be honest. Nothing pisses me off more than than liars. And when I catch somebody in a lie, Mm -hmm. it brings me great pleasure to point it out. (laughs) (laughs) She's got an edge. You guys ever watch Damages? Oh, love it. Good, right? Love it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's the bar for. Uh, have you seen the honor? Your honor? Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. Or yet. Goliath? Oh, I tell you, that's my jam. <laughs> Goliath. You were like a lawyer in a past life. Maybe. 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 Huh. Goliath is coming back Friday. Oh, season, <laughs> season four. Four. Ooh. So excited. First season was great. The best. The best. Yeah. Got a little. The best. Weird. Like After that. Yeah, yeah. But cool. Um, okay. Even more important, guilty pleasures. Mm. Don't think too much. I mean, I'm trying to pick one. 
<laughs> Junk food, shopping. Mm. Okay, good, good. Dark chocolate. Cussing. Okay. <laughs> How about that one? Clearly. Cussing. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. All right. So, great show. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, how can people reach you? Well, you can go to our website, which is www.revolvelawgroup.com. Okay. You can find us on Instagram, Revolve Law Group. Um, you can skywrite a love note and over the cities of Mission Viejo, Coast, Eastside Costa Mesa, <laughs> yeah. and Newport Beach, Corona Del Mar. <laughs> you can send us a postcard. You can send us a love letter. Um, 2601 Main Street, Suite 1200, Irvine, California, 92614. We are open and available for you know people who want to write us letters. <laughs> you guys are so witty. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. Thank uh, it's been yeah. a real honor to have you on the show. I want to thank the people who have tuned in, and we look forward to being in the studio again next week. Cheers. Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting podcast.bartzanbergen.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartsandbergen.com. The contents of this podcast episode do not constitute an offer of securities or a solicitation of an offer to buy securities and may not be relied upon in making an investment decision related to any investment offering Access Wealth Management LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Access does not warrant the accuracy or completeness of the information contained herein. Opinions are our current opinions and are subject to change without notice. Prices, quotes, rates are subject to change without notice. Generally, investments are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed and may lose value. Brokerage services are offered through to Sarah Capital, member FINRA.